Well, good morning, man. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us and chose to come out and, and in person. We also wanna welcome everybody watching online across the world as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we also wanna give it up for our Grayson campus. Can we get up for our Grayson campus? We love you guys. You know, if you're visiting with us, if you're first time, first time in a long time, we're one church in two locations. We have a church plant there in Grayson. Uh, Pastor Aaron's doing an amazing job. And through technology, we're able to broadcast this message not only over the world, but right over to our sister church there in Grayson. So we're so thankful for what God is doing in that region. And I'm telling you, he's up to something good. And hopefully God has been using this series to speak into your life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 9. Uh, Luke chapter 9. If you have your phone, you can go to Luke chapter 9. I'll be using the uh, New Living Translation in case you want to follow along with me. But in Luke chapter 9, we're going to pick up with this series here called Experiencing God. And so let's just make sure we're on the same page. And, and, and let me kind of summarize how do we got to this point. Well, the first thing is we talked about is that God is always at work around us. Do you know that? He is always at work. No matter if you go to school, he's at work. When you go to work, He's at work. When you go home, he's at work. In fact, every single person you encounter that you come in contact with, God somehow is working in their life. How do I know that? Because they're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, you still have a purpose, and God wants to use you greatly to fulfill his purpose. So God is always at work around you. And because that God is at work around you, he wants to pursue you a loving relationship with you. So listen, this is so good. So many people think because of their sin that God stays away from them. It's actually because of your sin that God runs to you and wants to save you and, and use you in a great way. And so a lot of times we think, you know, God wouldn't have nothing to do with me. Pastor, you don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. In fact, that's why God runs to you because he has a relationship. The scripture says, yet even while we were sinners, guess what? He ran to us. He died for us in your place and in my place, and he pursues after you. Why? Because he wants to invite you to be on this journey with him. You know, every single one of you, God has a unique, specific purpose for your life. You can't pick the skin color you're born into. You can't pick the nationality you're born into. You can't pick the country you're born into. You can't pick the generation that you're born. You can't even pick the family that you're born into. I know some of you wish you had a do-over. Sorry, God picked that family for you, right? You can't even pick your own family. God in his sovereignty put you in a position in this time right now to use you for a specific purpose. However, all of us though have the same purpose who are followers of Jesus Christ and that is to join with him to redeem a lost and dying world. God doesn't need us. Y'all know that, right? God doesn't need any of us to do this. I mean, he can send down legions of angels at any point and do his bidding. However, God chose to use people like you, people like me, messed up people, to use it to advance the kingdom and to advance his purpose. And so God's gonna invite you. He wants you to join him. And when you do that, he's going to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. And we talked about this. How does the Holy Spirit, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit to our spirit. And what are some ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today? Well, the number one way is your Bible. The number one way that God uses the Holy Spirit to speak to you is through the Bible. And if you're not in the Bible, you're missing the number one way that God wants to speak into your life. God will speak through the Bible. God will speak through the Spirit, impressions. You know, when you've just got a gut, when you just know this, when God's doing something in your life, God will speak through people. God will bring people around you to speak into your life, to encourage you, to help you. That's why it's important to get in community. That's why it's important to be together in a group or, or somewhere where you're connected and serving with one another. God wants to use people. God will use uh, circumstances. 
God will open up doors and God will close doors. However, if you remember, I gave a warning. Not every hunch, not every word from someone, not every door that's open necessary is God speaking. So you have to test it. You test it to what we know is true, which is the scripture. So every time you've got a word or a hunch or an impression, I think so, maybe so, God may have done this, or a job opportunity, the door open, test it in God's word to see if God is actually speaking to you. And when he speaks to you, it's gonna lead you to a crisis of belief. And we talked about that last week. What's the word crisis mean? It just means decision. You have to choose what you're gonna do. When God speaks, the very next thing you do after you hear God speak determines on what you really truly believe about God. So you'll come to a turning point. That's what that word crisis means. You'll come to a turning point in your life where you've gotta make a decision. Trust or not trust. Believe or not believe. Go with God or not go with God. And when that happens, really last week and this week and next week could have been all in one, but we, we divided this out to make sure we're on the same page. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish it next week. I know it's Memorial Day weekend and I'm gonna summarize the whole entire series. I've got a message that I believe that uh, does all that in one story. So if you're gonna be traveling, make sure you catch us online, join us right here. We'll be able to serve you through, through being online together. But today, here is the biggest reason, well, I would say the biggest, maybe one of the biggest reasons why most of us don't experience God like we want to. We know God speaks. In fact, you probably said God has spoken. God has said things to you. But what keeps you from experiencing? And that's what we're gonna talk about today, and that is the adjustments that you and I are or not willing, either we will or we will not, make in our lives to experience him. And there's a story in Luke 9, I think, summarized this, that kind of lays out some things that keep me and you from experiencing God because we won't make the necessary adjustments. Like we won't find, we won't adjust our lives to what God wants to do and what God wants to do through you because of some, some reasons we're gonna talk about today. So if you're gonna be taking notes, I've got some things I'll walk you through. But I'm gonna walk you through Luke 9. This story, I think, portrays a, a picture of maybe why you and I, even today, even though this story was 2,000 years ago, why we don't make the adjustments in our own lives. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the first thing. Three of you are ready. Awesome. Here we go. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. One of the biggest things that keep us from adjusting our lives when God speaks. We believe it's God, we, we hear it, he spoke, but when the biggest thing that keeps us from adjusting our lives is our pleasures, my pleasure, my comfort, what's pleasing to me. Most of us, if we got together and we talked about it, not many people love and live to be out of their comfort zone. Most people never want to get out of their comfort zone. They just want to stay comfortable. They just want, to, they just want life to be kind of easy, and they want to go through life. Okay, I got the job, got the degree, got the girl, got the family, got the house. Okay, now if I can just make it for another 20, 30 years to retirement, 40 years, if I can just get to that point, I just don't want no hiccups in life. I just want things to be comfortable. Most people are not willing to get uncomfortable. They don't want to get outside their comfort zone. And I will say outside of your comfort zone is where God stretches your faith and you become the man and the woman of God that he wants you to be. But most of us don't want to get uncomfortable. If God asks you to go and share your faith with your coworker, uh, that's a little uncomfortable because most of us are just like this first guy in this story. And Luke chapter nine, look what he says. Verse 57, as they were walking along, they're going, there's a big crowd, 
people are following Jesus. Jesus had more than 12 disciples, y'all. He had hundreds of men and women who followed him everywhere he go. Who was his disciples? 12 was the one in his inner circle. But as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go, I will go. And this honestly is most of us, right? I mean, if you're a child of God and you've given your life to Jesus and we sit down and had a cup of coffee, you would say, I will do whatever God wants me to do. I'll go wherever he wants to go. I'll give what he wants me to give. I'll say whatever he wants to say. I just want to be pleasing to him. I'll go wherever you go. And the way that this guy said this was in a careless, not counting the cost of what it truly means to follow Jesus. How do I know that? By the word whatever. He flippantly says, whatever. If I'm with you, life's gonna be good. Life's gonna be, I'll do whatever you want. And most of us, let's just face it, if we sit down over a cup of coffee, you would say, pastor, man, whatever God wants, that's what I wanna do. And you say, okay. And then all of a sudden, God says, hey, I want you to go over and, and share your story and your testimony, your faith, or invite your coworker to work. Well, I don't wanna do that. That's really uncomfortable. That's really, really uncomfortable. I can't invite them to church. I definitely wanna share my faith. Okay, but you said whatever, all right. All right, I want you to go over and I want you to buy that person's meal and I want you to bless them. No, don't talk about my money because the church just wants my money. You can't talk about my money. No, 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 no. God, don't touch my money. Not whatever there. Uh, okay. Do you want me to continue? Because this is us. I'll do whatever, I'll say whatever, I'll go whatever. God says do it. Ah, it's a little uncomfortable. I don't want to make the adjustments in my life to really experience you in that way. Thank you for saving me. I'm glad I don't have to go to hell. Woo, that one's a good one. But man, I don't want to make the adjustments to experience the fullness of what you have for me. So this God doesn't count the cost. He just says, wherever you go. Now, why would he say that? Why would you say that? I'll go whatever, do whatever, whatever you want, I want. Think about it in his context. This is Jesus. Why would I go wherever you want? Because man, if I fall down and hurt myself, man, Jesus gonna heal me. Man, I don't have to worry about paying my premium anymore. I don't have to worry about insurance anymore. I don't, even have, I don't have to worry about co-payments anymore. I get sick, boom, zap, he's gonna heal me and it's gonna be good. I'm gonna go with that guy, wherever he goes. If I have a loved one that dies, Jesus fix it. Jesus can raise him back from the dead. I mean, he did Lazarus. He was like, no, man, you might wanna keep him. No, 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 raise him back up. That's my favorite, right? I love that person. He, he, Why well, not go? If I'm hungry, boy, can feed me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he takes like rocks and turn to bread and, and make fish, just multiply and they're gonna be, man, he can even, you know, bread these fish. You know I'm saying I have bread and fish. That's the best fish, right? And I'm like, man, this is good stuff. Why would I not go with Jesus? He's going to feed me. He's going to heal me. He's going to take care of me, which means this. Everywhere I go with Jesus, man, life's going to be easy. Life's going to be comfortable. How do I know that's the context? Two reasons. One, by the word whatever, which is a careless statement. And two, by what Jesus says next to him. Jesus looks at his heart and says, you think it's easy to follow me? You think where I go is going to be easy? You think it's going to be comfortable for you to go with me? Look what he says. Foxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. Here's what he's saying. You think it's comfortable with me? I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. I don't even own a house. I got a traveling ministry. I am walking from city to city on a dusty road, hoping there's food over there. Here we go. You think it's easy following me? You've not counted the cost. And honestly, most believers have not counted the cost of following Jesus. Why? Because we don't want to get uncomfortable. And in fact, when it is uncomfortable, 
We're sitting there going, what in the world? What's going on with God? Why is, why is life out of whack? Why, why is people mad at him? Why is people, why is, he already told us, listen, the world hated him. He said, the world's gonna hate you. Like, haters are gonna hate because of me. So if they hate me, they're gonna hate you. So don't, don't be alarmed when people start hating on you for following me. He's already told us that. He told you that 2,000 years ago. He don't have to direct message you today. He already told you that. The world will hate you. The world will turn their back on you. The world's gonna do everything it can to squash you. And folks, it's happening all over the world. All over the world. Even to the north of us, our neighbor, Canada. Like, I mean, this is not like some regime that's running where you have underground churches where, where you gotta, where people in China today, listen, just are dying for one page of a scripture, just tear a page of the Bible out so we can read it, so, so that we can have a Bible study underground that no one knows about. And most of us have seven, eight Bibles on our shelf collecting dust. We don't even read it. They're dying just to get their hands on the scripture just north of us in Canada. Pastors are being arrested for holding gatherings right now. This is just north of us. It is coming. And it should not alarm any of us. But I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to rough them. I just want things to. And we won't make the adjustments in our lives because of the pleasure that we want for ourselves, We want this to be easy. Jesus said it'd never be easy. He never said that. And this guy thought it would be easy following Jesus. He thought his life would be predictable. Don't we do that? We try to predict everything. We want a stress-free life. We want security, but we haven't counted the cost. And if you begin to pray a big prayer for God to use you as we've been praying through this series, if you begin to pray big, audacious prayers, you better buckle up because God's gonna ask you to do something. I never forget, it was in December 2006. I was in this little farmhouse on my father-in-law's property and we're, I'm upstairs in this little tiny room upstairs and you, I can barely stand up, it's a short roof and I'm up there and that was my office and I begin to pray. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, do something so big in my life that only you can get the credit for it, only you can get the glory for it. God, would you do something so big in my life that you can only get the glory for it, only you can get the credit for it. And then I would end it with, speak, God, your servant's listening. Who would ever thought 45 days after praying that prayer, God says, get rid of everything, give it all away, and move to Moorhead and start a church. What I'm taking you guys through right now is what we did, what I was doing when God said, come and plant this place. I came to a crisis of belief. Am I gonna believe that God spoke and said, Go. And what I do next is gonna determine what I believe if God said yes or no and what I believe about God. I came to a crisis of belief in my life and I had to make the necessary adjustment where give things away, sell things, let everything. We had nothing, knew nobody, no, reason, no resources, nothing at that time to come. But I believe that God has spoken and I began to adjust my life and it was very uncomfortable. But adjust my life so that I can experience him greatly. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to do the same thing in your life. What's keeping you from experiencing God? Maybe for you, it's you're comfortable. You wanna be comfortable. And you're not willing to make the adjustments to get uncomfortable, to stretch and grow and to be used by him greatly. Here's the second thing, and this is the big one for us, is our priorities. My priorities, your priorities. We all have priorities. You have your priorities, I have my priorities, and we think our priorities are 
of our preference, our priorities take the first place of everything else because it's my value. It's, it's, it's on my terms. This is how I roll. This is my life. Look what happens next. Verse 59. He said to another person, now remember, they're walking. A guy runs up to Jesus. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. Are you sure? Count the cost. Then Jesus looks at the other guy and look what he says to him. Now he looks at somebody walking with him. He says, hey, you, you, come on, come on. Come follow me. Why? Because Jesus pursues after us. He wants a loving relationship with us. He invites us to join him. We've been walking through this whole series. He says, come, follow me. And the man said, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to go with you, Rabbi. You are the man. In fact, you're not just the man, you're Lord. Look what he says. Lord first. First, let me do my priorities. First, let me fix my values. First, let me do my duty as a son. First, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Dude, Jesus is like a savage, man. Like, you kidding me? This is a guy, this is, this is a society that honors your father and your mother. This is the one of the Ten Commandments, man. This is one of like the big commandments. I can't just leave my dad like that. And so there's some questions here, and we don't need to get into it because we, we don't know. We wasn't there. Uh, why is he not with his father right now? If his father was dying, literally dying, you would have been there as the son with your ailing, dying father. He's not, he's out, he's walking. Why is he not there? Some would say he's not died yet, and he may be two or three years from now. We don't know. Some thinks he's already died and they're in a proper burial, but why is he not there? It would have been dishonored, dishonorable for him not to be there. So he thought he could get out of this. Hey, you know what the law says. You know what the requirement says. You know what it is. Hey, your son takes care of his father's death and I gotta be there and I gotta be the one and I'm gonna do it because that's what a son does. Surely I can get out of this temporarily following Jesus because of my priorities. And then Jesus says, hey, let the dead Go bury the dead. You go and proclaim the gospel. You go and preach the kingdom. Why? Because I, my, my purpose and my plans outweigh your priorities, even something as significant as this. Now, is there something wrong with going to a funeral? No. Is that what Jesus was trying to say? No. Jesus was trying to say, your loyalty is misplaced. If you're really going to follow me, if you're going to hear my voice, <laughs> you better count the cost. Because all your priorities that you think is in place, and listen, so many people, we have all of our priorities. We've got everything in place. We won't allow God to interrupt our day because of our priorities. God's like, hey, go over and bless that person. I just don't got time to go do that. I don't got time to do I got to hurry and get back to work. I got to pick up the kids. I got to get to the game. I got to get here. I got to get, I got to get things done. And then finally about not 10 o'clock, go, oh, I probably should have done that. Now you're just like falling asleep. Well, I'll do that later. I'll remind that. Or God says, hey, Tom, go invite that person. I just, I don't want to get uncomfortable and I don't have, my, that's not one of my big priorities. We'll leave that to the church. That's what the church is for. I don't need to be sharing the God. I just want to be just a good person and just keep quiet, keep silent. We have all these priorities and we won't make the adjustments in them and we wonder why we're not experiencing God. Folks, this is not, this is 2,000 years ago. They were struggling with the same thing that we deal with today. Hey, I, I got my own pleasures and I don't want to be uncomfortable. Hey, I've got my own priorities and that's not a priority. You know, serving on Sunday morning might be a priority for you, but that's not a priority for me because that's the day that I get to go out and I get to have fun and I get to be on lane and I get to do this stuff. You know, ser serving this is, is not a priority for me. So this is when my family goes. And listen, we're about to do a child dedication that's coming up and I can't wait. I'm really excited. But the child dedication is not for the child. Y'all know that. It's for the parent. 
The parent comes to make a dedication. I'm gonna raise my kid into your way so they may follow you and know you. The child is like gooing on itself. It don't know. It's just a baby. It don't know nothing. It's not a salvific moment. It's not a salvation for the kid. It doesn't even guarantee your kid will be saved. It's where you become it for the Lord and say, God, I'm going to dedicate my son, my daughter to you and help me raise them up to be everything that you've called them to be. And I dedicate myself to raise this child. That's what the child dedication is. But one of the number one things I hear back from parents when the kid goes away or sideways or something is like, man, I wish I had him in church earlier. I just thought letting them stay out their friends late on Saturday night sleeping on Sunday morning was more important. I thought about this sports room, but I just thought about, you know, like at the lake was just more important and that was their time. And all of a sudden the kid goes AWOL, then you bring them to my office. You're like, hey, fix them. And the parent goes, this was, it, it was never a priority. Church was never a priority. Reading God's word was never a priority. And now you're wondering why? You, 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 see, you see what I'm saying? Is that we make our priorities and we do this, but we won't adjust it for God to move and to speak. Is there anything wrong with the lake? No, is there anything wrong with the lake? No, all that's great and fun. And, and my kids do it, you should do it. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, hey, you know what? I never forced my kid to church because they wanted to sleep in. And that was kind of the only time to do it. And I, did, I just wanted to be their friend, not their parent. So I didn't want to be the cool parent. I didn't want to force that because I want to force Jesus on them. And we never make it a priority. And we wonder why we're not experiencing Jesus. Because you can still do all those things and experience him. It's the shift, it's, the, it's your heart. What's the main focus? Man, again, I'm just glad I'm saved, not going to hell. Woo, let me do everything else. And he goes, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, if you want to experience me, you better count the cost because there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost, there's always a cost. You think it's going to be easy. You think it's going to be comfortable. I don't even know where I'm sleeping or not. You think your priorities are more important. My priorities of preaching the gospel is more important. My priority of advancing the kingdom is more important than any priority that you have. And as part of the family of God, this is what you're committing to. Well, yeah, you better count the cost. And then the last guy, I'm gonna set it up with the Old Testament story. You see, back in the first century here, people would have known the Old Testament way better than we even know the Bible today. They, they, they were taught it as kids and they were raised up in this. And they understood the stories and they, about Moses and, and Abraham and Elijah and all these great men and women of God who God used greatly. So they knew the stories. They knew everything about them. Well, Luke kind of writes this prototype of Jesus as like the Elijah. You know, Elijah was one with known with passion and the, that they would say in Hebrew, the chutzpah, the passion just to go after and preach it and, and call people back to God. He was such a passionate prophet. So everyone would have knew that, even the guy who's going to run to Jesus. And I'm going to show you this. So there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 19, and you can write that down and go back and read it later, where the prophet Elijah finds his young Padawan. Where are my Star Wars fans? Any Star Wars fans in the house? Okay, all right. He finds his young Padawan. He says, I want you to come be my young Padawan. I want you to become a master Jedi like me. I'm going to teach you the ways of the force, young Elisha. Right? Sorry, that's the voice that comes to my head. And he says, I'm gonna take you to be my assistant so that you can do more and be a better prophet than I am. So here's the scene. Check this out. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field. Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah, the prophet, 
the man of God, went over to him and took his master Jedi cloak off and he takes his cloak and he wraps it around Elisha while he's working. He's at work. He's plowing. He's a farmer. He's in the field and he takes his cloak off and he puts his cloak over his shoulders and then he walks away. I mean, in my mind, the way the story's written, he, he sees Elisha there and he takes his cloak and he comes behind Elisha and he puts it on his shoulders and he takes off immediately and begins to walk away. How do I know? Look what happens. Elisha then left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah. He runs after him and he says this, first, let me go kiss my father and my mother but goodbye, then I will go with you. You see, See, Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, knew every one of his audience would know all about this same story. So these guys who think they're going to count the cost to follow Jesus, I've got some things that are going on in my life. This is exactly what happened with Elisha. And what does Elijah do? Elijah said, go. Go on back. Go tell your mom and your dad bye. But think about what I've done to you. Think about, I just anointed you to take my place. I just anointed you to be my assistant. I just anointed you that you're going to be the next master Jedi. You're the one that's going to take my place. I, remember that as you go back and tell your mom and dad goodbye. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen. And what does he do? He slaughters them. Why would he do that? He slaughters the oxen, and then he used the wood from the plow to build the fire, to roast the flesh. And then he threw this big party and he passed all the meat around to everyone in the town and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant, his young Padawan. Elijah goes back to what his identity was, which was a farmer. See, most of you think your identity is based on your title. I'm a doctor, I'm a banker, I'm a teacher, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm a pastor, whatever it might be. And your identity is wrapped up in your title because you think that's who you are based on a title. He goes back to his way of life, the only way he can make a living. He's a farmer. And because God spoke and called him, he says, I'm gonna forget and leave everything behind in my past to walk with God in my future. So the thing that I made my way of living, the thing that I'm identified by, I'm gonna destroy it, make a fire out of it, cook what I've been doing, this oxen, and I'm gonna be generous and feed the people around one more, and I'm leaving the city. Peace. I'm out. And he goes and he follows God. If you read the story about Elisha, he does unbelievable miracles, how God used him greatly. On and on, it's this great story. You should read all about it. But the next guy that comes up to Jesus knows this story because he tries to do the exact same thing. And honestly, this one may be the biggest thing that keeps us from making the adjustments in our own lives, and that is my plans. We make our plans, and we will adjust our plans. People, we do this all the time. The Bible says be diligent. The Bible says be prudent. Absolutely, we should plan. Absolutely. Look at the ants. Even they have no master. They store it for the fall. They get ready for the season to come. I get it. We should make plans. Listen to people all the time. You can hear it. I've got 10 more years in my, paying my pension, then I can retire. 
I got four more years of school. When I get out in four more years, you're thinking down the road. You're thinking about time. You're thinking about decades even. I just got to put this in. I'm almost to the point to retire. We make all these plans. God, I'm gonna go to this school. I'm gonna major in this. I'm gonna spend four years there. When I get out, I'm gonna go to this city. I'm gonna work that job. I'm gonna marry that person. I wanna pick this area to be in. And here's what I'm gonna do with my life. And then we said, we make all these plans. Then God interrupts and says, but I want you to do this. I'm like, but I've already made these plans. Could you just bless these plans, please? This is the best plan for my life. And we won't make the adjustments in our life because we've already planned it. And we wonder why we don't experience him. I'll date who I want to date. I'll work where I want to work. I'll retire when I want to retire. I'll do what I want to do. I'll buy what I want to buy. I'll go where I want to go. And have you ever asked God if that's what he wants? But I'll make my own plans. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. And when we do that, listen, we miss experiencing him. And so this guy, verse 61. Now this guy, based on the context, has already been following after Jesus. Back up in verse, I don't know, maybe 22 or 23, somewhere back in Luke chapter 9. If you remember, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So this guy has already been following Jesus, but there's hundreds of men and women following Jesus. So now this is his time to go up to rabbi, to the Lord, to his teacher, and tell him, listen, listen, I've been following you for a while. I'm with you to the end, bro. I got you. Look what he says. Another said to him, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first. See, gosh, that's so us. Lord, but. Lord, but. Listen, don't, don't just read over that and miss it. Lord, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. Does that ring a bell? The exact same thing Elisha said to Elijah. He knew the text. This is his way out. Not trying to be probably mean. I think it, probably his heart was probably pure. Let me just go tell my family bye. Lord, but we do this all the time. See, a lot of things you're praying about right now, God's already spoken about. God, I don't want to forgive them. I don't know if I should forgive them. Lord, but. Lord, I know what your word says, but I'm not going to forgive them. They hurt me. She left me. He left me. Took the kids from me. Filed bankruptcy. They let me go. They said this bad thing about me. I'm not going to forgive them. God's already spoken on that. Lord, I know, but I'm not going to do it. And you wonder why you're not experiencing him. When the Bible talks about being generous and bringing back the tithe, what's him? Lord, I know what you say, but I ain't gonna do it. You see my budget? You see my paycheck? I can't make it happen. Lord, I know, but do you see this? And we make our own plans and we wonder why we don't experience him because we won't make the adjustments. Here's how I know this guy's already been following Jesus. Look what he says next. He says, anyone, anyone, who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, hold on. He's not talking about being saved. This is about, you didn't count the cost. Now watch this. He's already been following Jesus. Why he says, hey, you've already put your hand to the plow. You already know what we're heading. And anyone who puts their hand to the plow, of course, I'm not a farmer. Today, we don't have oxen. They're called John Deere today. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying, right? My new Holland fan. Like, that's, what, that's, a, that's a modern day oxen. 
put your hand to the plow. We're heading in the direction that God wants to go. But then all of a sudden, they take their head and they begin to look back of the past, where they used to be, who they used to be, good and bad, success and pain. And they get distracted from the past. They look back, but I want to go back. But you've already started the plow. You've already, you've already committed to follow me. You're already in this direction. And you know what happens, right? It's just like you. When you take your eyes off the road, wherever you're looking, you're going to drift that way. And if you don't believe me, if you have a second passenger beside you, they will tell you. If not, the rumble strips will. Get over. And you're plowing one way, but you begin to look back. And Jesus said, when you begin to look back, listen, you're not fit to experience the rule and the power and the purpose in our plan. You can't look back. Once you start this, you better count the cost in following me. Jesus raised the bar. I know Elijah, Elisha to go back. Uh-uh, it's not about your plans. Jesus is not being mean. Jesus is not being ruthless. Jesus is letting you know, this ain't no easy believism, easy walk that you just think you're gonna come to me and life's gonna be good. You're never gonna get acne again. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna eat Oreos, we're gonna have zero calories in it. This ain't, this ain't like you're gonna have all this money in your life. No, if that's what you're thinking, this is not what it means to follow me. But if you want to experience me in the midst of trial and pain and suffering and being uncomfortable and stepping out of your comfort zone, if you're willing to follow me when I have a crisis of belief and speak to you and you adjust your life and your ways and your thoughts and your finances and your family and your emotions, if you'll adjust to me, man, I will use you and you experience me in an unbelievable way. Most of us won't make the adjustments. And we wonder why we're not experiencing him greatly. Lord, but. Is he the Lord or he's not? There's no buts. If he says it and speak it as children of God, we must take that step. Versus trying to plan our whole life and get distraction by our own plans. Now why? Why won't we make the adjustments? to be uncomfortable, why we won't make the adjustments in our priorities, why we won't make the adjustments in our plans, why? I told you this in week one, and that's because we're focused on ourselves. You could either live a God-centered life or a self-centered life, that's the only two, it's your choice. You live a God-centered life, you will experience God. You live a self-centered life, you can experience ups and downs and highs and lows, and you may be smart enough and good, and you've got things going, but if it's all about you, you'll have mixed experience in Him. The whole purpose of this series is for us to get in position to live a God-centered life so that I will experience Him to the fullest. So how do I do that? How do I do that? <laughs> Practically. I love this. And Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Everybody say all. You know what all means in the Greek? All. All, everything. Think about this. He says, if you'll seek my kingdom, everything that keeps you up at night, everything you're planning for, everything that you have in your priorities, all these things that you want to do and be great with school and sports and academics and work and life and investments and business and retirement, everything that you plan for, everything that you want, if you'll just seek me first, all these things you worry about, I will do that for you. I just want to do it with you. But if you live a self-centered life, don't expect to experience me. 
You see, we got this backwards. If we just seek Him first in work, in school, in our careers, in our jobs, in our finances, in our families, in our plans, if we just seek Him first, that's all He wants, to put Him first. Actually, to put Him center. And when he's the center of your marriage, center of your life, center of your will, center of whatever you do, whatever you do. He, he didn't tell you you can't do those things, but whatever you do, everything you worry about, I'll take care of it. And all of these things, I'll make sure is added to you. So you don't have to worry about it. If you'll seek my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. But it first comes in seeking me. Not about my pleasures, not my priorities, not my plans. All those things must line up with his kingdom, his rule, his power, his authority in your life. And if you do, you will experience him greatly. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads just for a moment. We said this in week one, if we get up every single day and say, God, show me where you're working. Show me where you're working. Send me there. Not my will, but your will be done. Every morning you get up and say, God, I submit my plans to you. God, I submit my priorities to you. God, I submit my life to you. Interrupt me anytime you wanna interrupt me today. Show me where you're working. Speak to me. Send me there. Use me. And if you'll begin to pray that, I've got your emails how you begin to pray that and how God has showed up at work, at school, in the locker room. I'm here, I've heard your stories at work, while you're shopping. <laughs> I, I hear your stories. Because you finally get in position to open your eyes to see God working all around you. And that's my prayer, is that you will listen to him, you'll take him at his word, you'll make the adjustments, and then you obey him, which we'll talk about next week in your life. Isn't it amazing the story 2,000 years ago? <laughs> we still go through the same thing today. And maybe the reason why you've not truly experienced him is because you've never put your faith and trust in him. And you can do that right now. Right where you're sitting, whether you're watching online, you're at our Grayson campus, or you're right here in person, you can cry out to the Lord and then say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sin and I put my faith and trust in you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that. And if that's you and you cried out, saying a prayer doesn't save you, but your lips can proclaim what that heart declares. And if your heart declares Jesus is Lord with no buts, with a sincere heart, he'll save you. But you better buckle up because he wants to use you greatly. And host is gonna come out just in a moment and they're gonna share with you how you can respond because we wanna know, we wanna pray with you, we wanna help you, we wanna give resources. Maybe the best step for you is jump into life track. So you can start learning how to read your Bible and how God's wired you and gifted you and how to share your faith. We wanna help you in any way we can. So Father, we thank you so much for meeting us here this morning. 
I pray that we would have the courage and the faith, Lord, just to adjust whatever it is that we need to adjust in our lives to get in position to hear you, to see you, to be used by you. And then, Lord, I pray that next week as we learn about obeying and obedience, it's that's the step that increases our faith. That's how we become faith followers by being obedient to you. I can't wait to see what you're gonna continue to do in this series, Lord. With your name we ask and we pray.